This is the Intimacy Podcast. You are listening to episode 47, Mismatched Desire, where we're talking specifically to the higher desire partner. Welcome. This is the Intimacy Podcast. Here you'll find clean sex talk, answers to your intimate questions, and practical advice to take your relationship to the next level. I'm your host, certified intimacy coach and instructor, Rhonda Farr. While this podcast is not rated explicit, some content may not be suitable for younger listeners. Hey everybody, I'm back. Did you miss me? (laughs) I missed you. Today I'm tackling another one of those subjects that seem to come up all the time. I'm actually going to do another three-part series on this because I think it's so relevant to everyone out there. We're talking about mismatch levels of desire in a relationship. If you're in a marriage where mismatch desire or libido is an ongoing issue, I invite you to think about listening to each episode of this three-part series together with your spouse and talking afterwards as a couple. The objective of this, by the way, is not to get your partner to have more sex with you or to make you feel bad about their libido or make them feel bad about their libido. The point of all this, listening together, is to help you start to understand each other better so you can figure out as a couple what will work best for you as you tackle this issue on the same side on the side of marital peace and happiness. As we start this conversation, please know that it is a total myth that physical intimacy comes easy for most couples. Sexual discrepancies happen pretty much in every single relationship out there. Now, just because it's something that comes up for most couples, that doesn't mean that it isn't important to find solutions. If we don't handle situations like this appropriately, there can be lots of hard feelings. Both sides of the issue can feel like a real burden. I get that. Both partners have legitimate concerns that make this a very sensitive topic to navigate sometimes. By the way, that's something that I feel like is my calling in this job that I'm doing, to present sensitive topics and information in a way that's understandable to both sides of the situation in a way that is helpful so we can come together and find solutions. What I believe is marriages that do the work, the hard work by the way sometimes, of establishing a very connected emotional relationship and feel a level of mutual love and respect on both sides in the bedroom and outside the bedroom are usually able to navigate discrepancy and desire in a very peaceful way that helps and allows both partners to feel heard, okay? When sex is hard, when it's disappointing or doesn't measure up to what you had hoped or expected, it's very common to get in a cycle of negative association with sex. It's very common to start avoiding intimate contact or perhaps avoiding the subject at all. Like we don't even want to talk about it or think about it. We don't even want to go there. Listen, this is something that you need to be very clear about because this applies to your sexual relationship, but also lots of other things in your marriage. Your brain is a connection maker, okay? 
It likes to link things together. And in this case of the conflict over levels of desire, it makes the association between sex and disappointment or sex and difficulty, okay? It's doing this in the brains of both partners. The more often this cycle repeats, the more deeply this association is solidified and your brain begins to create that belief that sex is a chore, that it's a burden, that it's an obligation that has to be managed, okay? That's not super sexy, right? I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about this in a minute, but just know when you have a relationship where you have these hot button topics that keep repeating over and over and over, you're making a connection in your brain that it's difficult, that it should be avoided, that um, something's wrong with you, something's wrong with your partner, something's wrong with your marriage. When you think a thought over and over again, it becomes a belief. And that's why so many couples, so many of us, get deeply entrenched in these negative patterns, these negative cycles. And what else? When this happens, it becomes the elephant in the room, right? These hot button topics, even if we're avoiding them, both partners become hypersensitive to the whole thing, starts creating even more problems, and then it just explodes out of nowhere sometimes. Even when that isn't the issue we're even talking about, it always seems to resurface. Can you see that? We need to be really careful when we're doing this and going through this process of uncovering what's going on, not to blame one person or the other here, okay? Both partners are having their own experience of this and making their own negative associations here. The higher desire partner usually takes it very personally when they feel rejected. They believe that they're a failure when they can't please their partner or give their partner the kind of affection that yields a greater desire response. This affects their sense of sexual self-esteem. They will often second-guess themselves during the act of intimacy and get all up in their own head. Meanwhile, the lower desire partner is is in their own head too, and we'll talk about that next week. For now, I want you to realize, as the high desire partner, you're likely going to feel very limited or even completely at um, the effect of the other partner. You're going to feel like there is a total lack of control for you. Number one, you have no control over the other person's sexual desire, which makes you feel like you're stuck because their sexual desire seems very, very important to your happiness. And then number two, you're going to feel a lack of control over your own sexual well-being, right? It feels very powerless to be in this stuck position. It can feel like you aren't having your love language met at all. And I understand how, pa- how painful this can be for many of you. These feelings make us tempted to manipulate, right? The pain is so great. We want to escape those feelings of hurt and rejection and pain. So we start to think, well, maybe if I do things this way or maybe if I say this or that, I can get them to do what I want them to. But that is manipulation, my friends, and that will disconnect the relationship even more. High desire partners, I want you to look out for those feelings when they arise, those tendencies to manipulate when they come up. I know manipulate sounds like this big, scary, bad word. Nobody likes it. Nobody wants to think they're doing it. But 
Many of us do it frequently without even realizing it. So I just want you to notice when that tendency comes up. Our feelings and our tendencies, right, that we have, they are carried out in our relationship. It leads us to try to pressure and guilt or manipulate our partners. And if you do this, this is what I want you to know. And actually, this is why the pattern repeats itself. Because sometimes it works. We might get pity sex, right? And we think, oh, well, we got at least a little bit of what we wanted, a little bit of affection. But often, even if you do get that pity sex, it's very unfulfilling for both of you. The reason it isn't very satisfying is because you still don't feel desired or wanted, which probably is the primal need that you're yearning for anyway. And your partner is often left feeling exhausted, used, or resentful. When sex becomes a chore and an obligation, you stifle the passion and desire in your marriage, in your relationship. You break down both the physical and emotional relationship through the repetition of these patterns. So remember I said I'll talk about these cycles that we get stuck in. Um, I'll talk about these negative associations that we're making. This is what happens We try to manipulate or we try to get our partner to change their behavior. Then we're both unfulfilled and we're left wanting more. And then we both have this negative association or this negative feeling about our physical relationship. And then it starts all over again. Because then we're like, well, what can we do to make it better? And then we want to try and repeat that cycle to try and get what we want again. Can you see it? If emotional intimacy is the foundation for physical intimacy and you just keep forcing sex, it breaks the emotional connection and it yields a very disappointing physical connection. You then feel hungry for more proof and evidence that your partner desires you. You get all needy and manipulative again, breaking down the connection. We rinse and repeat. (laughs) You're in a cycle that feels terrible to both of you. And I understand why you get frustrated and try to manipulate your partner. I really do. But this is so important that you see what I just described. I know it sounds like maybe I'm a bit of a broken record because I've said it again in a couple different ways. But I really want you to see that what you're doing does not work. Period. If you're afraid to stop everything, afraid to stop the manipulation, afraid to stop trying to get your partner to change, maybe you think that, you know, I'm, if I stop everything, then I'll never get what I want. What I want you to see is you already aren't getting what you want now. And you're doing more damage to the emotional relationship as well as the physical. Also, this is a little bit of a different flavor, but I've seen some men who actually try to stifle their own desire. So instead of trying to manipulate their partner... They will stifle themselves and try to just shut everything down inside of them, all of their sexual feelings, so they don't overstep the comfort level of their spouse. However, when they do this, they think it's all noble and good, but it's done out of obligation and frustration because they feel like they have no other option. They, too, feel like the low-desire partner is always in control of their sexual well-being. They may pretend for a time that sexual connection isn't a big deal and never address the issue and just try to push it all down and stifle it inside of them 
But the whole time that they're resisting their natural urges and their natural feelings, it's all just building up underneath the surface waiting to erupt. And again, you're repeating a vicious cycle while you try to manipulate the situation, this time with yourself, but you're not addressing what's underneath the issue. The awareness of what's happening beneath the surface is super important to understand before you try to change anything else. Just being able to see what's happening from this place of awareness is so useful if you are to move forward and make real progress and change. Now, many of my clients and listeners will say, all right, I get it, Rhonda. I hear what you're saying. I see how that's a negative cycle. But now tell me, what can I do? (laughs) They want some practical help, right? That's why many of you listen to this podcast. So I'm going to give you some tools, some thoughts that many of my clients in your situation have found useful. But I'm telling you, one of the most important things you can do right now today is simply just understand on a deeper level how and why you are getting stuck in these cycles. The way you can do that is just to simply be the watcher of your relationship this week. I want you to notice what's happening. Notice the patterns that are ongoing. What can you learn as you take a step back and just watch without the intense hurt and frustration that sometimes we get caught up in? This is my number one suggestion. Okay, (laughs) I want to make that clear. But here are a few things for those of you who want to hear more. First of all, one of the, another really great thing you can do right now is you have to truly understand at your core, it's not personal when your partner says no to sex. I know when you get rejected, especially if it happens frequently, it feels like a personal rejection for sure. It feels like a rejection of yourself, of your very being. I get that. I know it feels that way, but trust me, it's not about you. And how can I say that when I don't know you personally and I don't know your partner personally? Because I know a thing or two about humans and our actions or lack of actions are always about us and how we are feeling about ourselves or the situation at hand. Your partner, I promise you, has something going on in their mind for them. Now, I can't say what that is for sure. Maybe they're having thoughts about their own body. Possibly, maybe they're having thoughts about sexuality in general that are stifling them. Maybe there's a physical problem that's coming up. I can't tell you this part, but you have to keep reminding yourself over and over that this really isn't a personal rejection, even though it feels like it. Now, please note that I'm not saying you shouldn't take responsibility for yourself here. I'm not saying you don't have to take any responsibility for your part in the relationship. I'm just saying that you can stop believing when your partner says no, that it means that you're a failure, that you're undesirable, or there's something wrong with you. And it's not enough for you to just understand this intellectually. Like a lot of people will say, okay, I get it. I get that intellectually. But when it happens to them, they just get flooded with all the emotions. Okay. This is one of those things that you have to feel on a deeper level. Feel in your body that it's true. And the way you do that is to keep being aware of those thoughts 
of personal defectiveness, of personal rejection when they come up, okay? So let's say that you approach your partner and they say no, and you start to feel that rejection bubble up. I just want you to acknowledge it. Okay, there comes rejection again. This is normal that I'm feeling this way. And you have to remind yourself, my partner is struggling with something and their actions are always about them. And by the way, your partner probably doesn't even understand that themselves and they don't have to. That's okay. This reminds me of something that I heard about um, kids one time when I was doing some parenting stuff and my kids were little and I was trying to figure some things out for myself. Um, the, the thing that I read or was taught, it said, oftentimes when our kids are really, really having a hard day or whatever, we'll say, oh my gosh, so-and-so is just giving me a hard time today. They are just really giving it to me today. And the advice that I was given is to kind of shift that little a little bit. Instead of saying, my child is giving me a hard time today, why don't we say, my child is having a hard day. My child is going through something hard today. Notice how that allows me to not see it as a personal offense. It's not that my child is trying to make my, make my day difficult. It's not that I'm at the effect of my child. So I really want you to think about this. What if instead of saying our partner is causing problems in the relationship or our partner is really bringing all this difficulty to our sexual relationship, what if we say my partner is struggling? My partner is having a hard time with something. I don't know if that resonates with you. Maybe it won't work for you. And, and if this doesn't sound like something that fits with your vernacular right now, just throw it out the window. Pretend I never said it. But that little shift really helped me sometimes when I was trying to frame what was happening and how I wanted to handle the situation. Another thing you can do is get to the bottom of what this is really about for you. Ask yourself, am I looking for intimacy? Like to truly feel desired and chosen? Jennifer Finlayson Fife uses that terminology. Like we all want to feel chosen. So is that what you're looking for? Or are you just looking for sex? Ask yourself, if I felt truly desired overall, would it be as big of a deal if I got turned down occasionally? Maybe I'm looking for sex as a way to feel intimately connected and chosen in this relationship. Some of you may have heard me talk about um, the job I had previously. I worked as a, a family counselor at a drug rehabilitation center and I worked with a lot of teenagers. I'll never forget this one little girl. Um, she came to me and she had had many sexual partners. And we were talking about and trying to get to the bottom of some of the things that she was feeling and some of the behaviors that she was having. And I'll never forget having this conversation with her about wanting to be held, wanting to feel connected with somebody. And this conversation we had unfolded. It wasn't that she wanted to have a lot of sex with people. I don't even think she really liked it or felt a lot from the physical act itself. But she just wanted to be touched. She just wanted to be held. She just wanted to feel like she had a connection with somebody. And that's why she continued to go through those very unfulfilling and quite dangerous situations that she was having with multiple men in her life. So ask yourself, are you just cra craving that connection that you think sex will give you? 
this could be a different problem altogether than sex. Another good question to ask is, are you willing to be open and vulnerable outside the bedroom to allow yourself to truly be known and accepted in every way? This, my friends, is the first step to true intimacy, by the way. If you aren't willing to have an intimate connection outside the bedroom, there's a good chance that sex is going to feel like something is lacking. Even when it does happen, you'll feel likely feel unfulfilled by it. You might get that physical release that you've been feeling the urge for, but I've seen high desire partners who are really, really confused themselves about why they don't feel that satisfaction they hoped for even after sex. There are a few reasons for this, but one is they still don't feel desired and chosen. If they're having to talk their partner into it, it's really not all that great for them. Another reason for this lack of fulfillment can be because they still aren't feeling true connection. They're just feeling that physical release. The true connection of intimacy comes from a willingness to be open, vulnerable, and share your whole self. Are you willing to do that? Something I want you to think about. Really answer that one. One of the most powerful things that you can do, by the way, to manage your mind is ask yourself really great questions. The brain is more open to answering questions than just sitting down and taking a lecture. (laughs) Questions reveal our belief systems and enable us to evaluate them. So as we're going through here and you hear some questions that I'm throwing out, you don't have to do all of them, but if that resonates with you, like, yeah, maybe that's someplace I need to work. I would encourage you to just make a note, jot that question down, and go back and spend some time on it after this podcast is over. The next thing you can do is take total responsibility in the relationship. I talked a little bit about that before, but what I mean by that is responsibility for yourself. And you can do that while allowing your partner to take responsibility for their self as well, okay? This is why I say that. Because high desire partners often feel powerless. You feel powerless because it feels like that low desire partner, anytime they say yes, you're like totally into it. So it feels like they're completely in control. But the more you take responsibility for your own feelings and actions, no matter what, the more you really look at and find the things you can control, I promise you, the better you will feel about yourself. You will maintain your integrity and remain in alignment with who you want to be, okay? So when you take responsibility for your own actions, we don't have to have any more of this needy, clingy, manipulative behavior. Even if nothing ever changes for your partner, you can decide who you want to be in the relationship, regardless of who your spouse chooses to be. And I know that can seem a little bit difficult, a little bit tricky, but listen, even if your spouse is not having sex as often as you like, ask yourself, do I want to be somebody who's clingy and needy and cringy, right? Like trying to manipulate everything. If the answer to that is no, then back off a little bit. Be who you want to be. To go along with that, I want you to validate your own feelings. What you feel and what you desire is natural. You aren't dirty or wrong for wanting more intimacy. It's not an unrighteous thing. 
as long as you're not being forceful and domineering. I guess I should add that. But most of you are not. And I don't want you to have shame and guilt about the feelings you're having. Your low desire partner probably is not capable of validating those feelings for you right now. Just as you're probably not in the space to validate theirs, and that's okay. Don't expect your partner your partner to totally get what it's like to be in your skin. For now, just know that you are normal and good. It's not bad for you to desire your partner in that way. I had a client who once told me he was trying to overcome some tendencies in his marriage and in his relationship, and we were talking one day, and he was kind of down on himself, and I said, you know, did you have a slip-up? Did you have a setback? What had happened? And he said, well, we were in the car, and uh, we were driving. We were on a, a long road trip, and I just looked over at my wife, and I saw her sleeping, and he was like, I just got totally aroused, and she was asleep, and he felt so guilty by that, and he felt like there was something wrong with him, and I said, all right, this is what you need to know. You are normal, and it was like it just washed away this shame and guilt. (laughs) You're normal. Those feelings are God-given. Do we have to manage them? Yes. Is it good to be aware of when they come up and how we want to handle it? Yes, absolutely, but there's nothing wrong with how you're feeling. So validate yourself. Drop the shame and guilt. This is not simply a dynamic, you guys, of just wanting more sex and your spouse wanting less. That's the final thing I want you to know. It's not just, you know, we don't quite have the same desire. For most of us, there's so much more underneath it all. Awareness, understanding, not taking things so personally, taking responsibility for our own actions and feelings, validating ourselves, being willing to be intimate outside the bedroom first. These are all little bits and pieces, and there are probably more, by the way. Like, each relationship is unique and different. So there are probably more facets to this than even I'm bringing up today, which is why so many benefit from some outside help to help them navigate and walk through all of these underlying beliefs and thoughts and feelings. Because once you do that, once you do the hard work, and you both can get to that space of feeling comfortable in your own skin and you can go get to that place of feeling understood and heard most of us can find a happy medium so we both feel like we're getting what we want from the relationship so last two questions for you what did we talk about today that sounds like the best place for you to start which one of these things will you start working on this week If you need some help, make sure you reach out. Otherwise, I'll talk to you next time. Hey there, friend. I know there are some of you out there who are enjoying the podcast, but you aren't sure exactly how I help people in my one-on-one practice. If that's you and you're wondering if I might be able to actually walk you through a much-desired transformation in your own marriage, make sure you get on my calendar. I'm going to leave a scheduling link in the podcast description today It's free and you can make your own appointment by using the link you'll find in the description of this episode.